0: So I'm here today with Aaron Connolly, the Indonesia Fellow at the Law Institute, to talk about the Indonesian presidential elections on 9th of July. Aaron, you note that new polling data suggests that the Indonesia elections are a lot closer now than we anticipated three months ago. Can you elaborate on this? Sure, thanks Steve.
1: We've seen four polls in recent months from less established organizations that show a slight proboo lead. I and most other observers don't normally assume that those firms' results are dispositive because they don't have the established track record for accuracy that other pollsters have. The problem is that none of the more respected pollsters have come out with polls in the last month that we understand that they had at least one poll in the field. So that raises the question, why aren't they releasing new polls? And one possible explanation is that each of the top three firms, CSIS, uh, Seifel Mujani Research and Consulting, and Indicator, are run by Jokowi supporters. So for example, the head of CSIS, which is also Indonesia's leading international relations think tank, is also Jokowi's lead foreign affairs advisor. If their polls showed a big Jokowi lead, as they had in the past, they would have been released by now. So while the evidence isn't definitive, we have to assume that the race is at least very tight. So what key events have led to this dramatic turnaround in the polls? Well, Jokowi's campaign really struggled to get off the ground. Remember, he was only uh, named the party's candidate in late March. He had legislative elections in April. And after those elections, we saw a lot of barely hidden infighting between Jokowi's team and those close to party chair Megawati Sukarnoputri Putri and her daughter Puan. So Indonesians were looking for Jokowi to establish himself as a leader in his own right, independent of Megawati, uh, who has lost three presidential elections, and he did not do that. In fact, Mega and Puan downplayed his role within the party at press conferences. At the same time, Prabowo's campaign team was painting Jokowi as all hope and no substance. So by the time Jokowi's team released a detailed forty-one-page manifesto, Prabowo's team had already defined Jokowi as a lightweight who was taking orders from Mega. So second, there's also the ground game and the air war. Prabowo built a coalition of parties. Uh, with a very well-oiled machinery that is designed to get out the vote at the local level. And Jokowi is relying on this very diffuse network of volunteers. One relatively optimistic PDIP loyalist described it to me as Visigoth hordes taking on the Roman army and added that he hoped the result would turn out the same, but Proboa's organization appears to be overcoming all that hope. So on the airwaves, Proboa is winning as well. His coalition includes two media magnates whose television stations hold a 40% share of Indonesian households. Jokowi's coalition also includes a media magnate, but his share is only 2%. And that's before we get into social media, where Prabowo's team have been releasing some
0: very slick campaign videos that have performed very well among younger Indonesian voters. I understand that some of Prabowo's supporters overnight have been using your interpreter blog post to claim that they've taken the lead in polls, but that's not quite right, is it? That's not quite right, and it's not what I wrote. Uh, we don't have surveys that show a
1: ProBOO lead in the polls uh, that, from well-established consulting firms. And we're still waiting for those surveys to come out. They may show a ProBOO lead, they may show the race in a dead heat, or they may show a slight Chocowie lead. But uh, based on the evidence we have available, we do have to consider that ProBOO may have taken a lead based on uh, less established survey firms' uh, results. And we also have to consider that If local cotters, if local party officials are seeing a Prabowo lead, they're much more likely to want to go over to the Prabowo side. The bandwagon effect uh, that momentum can have in Indonesian elections is enormous because these local officials want to be on the side of the winner for the next five years. So some of this momentum may at this point be self-sustaining. That said, there are still two weeks left in the campaign. There's a lot that can
0: happen. We'll have to watch very closely to see if Jokowi can stage a comeback. So what would a Prabowo presidency mean for Indonesia's relations with the rest of the world? Well, the truth is we don't really know. Prabowo has a very complicated personal history.
1: He was dismissed from the military in 1998 for his involvement in the kidnapping and deaths of student activists who were opposed to Soharto's rule. Uh, As a result, he has not been issued a visa to enter the United States uh, in the last 14 years. He's also used a lot of very nationalist rhetoric on the stump, talking about uh, foreign companies bleeding Indonesia of its national wealth. There's reason to believe that he's perhaps a little bit more moderate than his rhetoric would suggest, Uh, but because Indonesian institutions, democratic institutions, are still quite young, and because he has implied that he would like to undo some of the democratic reforms that have been made since 1998, we have some reasons uh, to be concerned about what a
0: Prabowo presidency would look like. During the presidential debate on Sunday night, both candidates addressed Indonesia's relationship with Australia at length. What did we learn about their positions? Well, it's interesting because both candidates started out by saying uh, that they believed
1: the problem lied on the Australian side, not on the Indonesian side. Prabowo Subianto said he thought that perhaps Australians had a phobia of Indonesia. And Jokowi said that he thought there was a problem of, with Indonesia. Said he thought there was a problem uh, with Australians not respecting Indonesia's dignity. But after those uh, early responses, they both reverted into rhetoric that is very much in the mainstream on Indonesia-Australia relations. Uh, both saying that they thought it was very important to be friends with Australia and that it was important to resolve disputes diplomatically. Thanks for joining me today, Aaron. Thanks, Steve.